Well, we are in week five of a five-week sermon series on the Bible and emotions, and this week uh, we're going to be talking about guilt slash shame, guilt and shame. Before we jump into that emotion, I want to just remember the big picture, big scope of what we've been talking about, uh, and it's going to come up on your screen. Number one, the Bible speaks to all emotions, every one of them, happiness, sadness, depression, guilt, shame, frustration, fear, all those things, anger. Read through the Psalms, you'll get anger. Uh, number two, it's normal and okay to experience all the emotions. The Bible speaks about all emotions as part of the human condition. Then it's going to be normal for you to experience all of these emotions at one time or another. That's okay. And number three, uh, we worship God with all of our emotions. The goal of a study on the Bible and emotions is so that we can learn how to worship God in all of our emotions. If those three things are true, then there are three implications for our life. Number one, our emotions are a gauge, not a guide. They're a gauge. Our emotions come up on the dashboard of our life to indicate that something else is there, something else is going on. Number two, the Bible becomes our guide. And number three, knowing Jesus is our goal. So in this whole series, we're going to talk about an emotion. We're going to talk about what it means in our life and how we can kind of go to Scripture and find a solution to this emotional situation we find ourselves in. And then, therefore, we're going to try to drive that home towards worship of Jesus, which has been our goal. This week, I want to talk about guilt. Um, and um, this has been really interesting. I was talking with a counselor about this um, earlier today. And um, Carrie, who was here last week, if you remember, we have counseling ministry here. It was super good. I was talking with Carrie on the phone about this. I said, hey, here's what I think about guilt. What do you have? You're the expert. And so we talked about it uh, through. Uh, and we, we kind of t- we, we arrived at this very interesting uh, juxtaposition, if you will. Because remember last week we talked about happiness. And this, this is actually going to come up on your screen. And uh, Colton, it's a little out of order there on the slide, so we'll just throw that up there. And here's something Satan's convinced us of. Two lies Satan has convinced, uh, convinced Americans of. Number one, that we can be happy all the time. That we can be happy all the time. And number two, that we can feel ashamed all the time. Right? Think about this. Last week we looked at this. Uh, From our very constitution, to our advertising, to the stories we tell our children, to the music we listen to, and all spheres of American life, it drives us towards this end of being happy, the pursuit of happiness. But the problem is, no one's happy all the time. If you're happy all the time, there's something wrong with you, right? If you go to a sad movie and come out going, (laughs) ha, 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 there's something wrong, right? That's not normal. We should experience a range of emotions. Happiness is not something we can get all the time. But Satan will tell us the goal in this life is for you to be happy all the time. And if you're not happy all the time, you're a bad person. No, that's just not true. If you're not happy all the time, you're a normal person. Okay? Likewise, what I think uh, the devil does to us is he tells us and convinces us that if we experience shame and guilt because of something that happened to us or something we did, that we should feel that shame and guilt all the time for the rest of our life as some kind of Atonement we pay to ourselves, some, some way we try to make it up to ourselves. And again, that's simply not true. And so if you're someone who is here today who's struggling with shame and guilt, or some, you know someone who is, I, I just want to help you understand this good news here. And it's this. I want you to remember that guilt is a feeling that alerts us to the fact that something else is going on just below the surface. Guilt is a feeling. Shame is a feeling. It's okay to feel guilt and shame momentarily. And when you do, it's, it's, a, it's a gauge on our dashboard that, that tells us something else is going on just below the surface and we need to address it. 
And so what I want to do today, just very practically and simply, is just to look at two uh, big instances of guilt shame in Scripture because I believe they speak to the two kind of major ways we, we process and experience guilt um, in our lives. And I want to see at the end what the solution is. And the way that we're going to kind of work through this is we're going to look at two stories, okay? Um, or that we're going to look at three stages, I should say. We're going to look at three stages of guilt. We're going to look at two stories or two types of guilt. And then we're going to look at two myths that we need to address in terms of practical application. So just to repeat, three stages of guilt, two stories, um, two myths that we need to work through. So here we go. We'll jump on in. Here are the three stages I want to talk about first. And um, again, these are not technical. It's not like the you know, five stages of uh, you know, grieving or anything like that. This is just kind of an observation looking at things. And so I just want to give you this framework. And I want to show you how this framework appears over and over again in Scripture. And also, if we think about it, it appears in our life, okay? The, the kind of the three stages or the three ways we process through guilt. So, uh, stage one or phase one is the initial trauma of any particular situation, okay? The initial trauma. We experience something, okay? It happens to us, and we're traumatized by it. And then we move on to phase two, which is the questioning. Um, and, and in either case, we are, we are either saying, on the one hand, um, man, I can't believe I did that. I should have been smarter. And we get into the whole should thing where it's like, I should have done this and I should have done that. If I had done all these things, then it wouldn't have led to this situation I found myself in, right? Just, you know, that thing. Or the, in the other case, the other common example, it's why did this happen to me? Why didn't God prevent this from happening to me? Why did God allow this to come into my life, right? So questioning. Initial trauma questioning, number three, we get to disillusionment, disillusionment. And that's a feeling of just rejection, abandonment, uh, discord with what's going on in the world. And here's the thing, and this is, I'll just go ahead and front load this. One of the reasons we bring our counselors up each week and one of the reasons we talk about this is because, and you'll hear this with our testimony later on today, is because if you will, as a matter of discipline, Find a counselor after, the, after stage one, after the initial trauma. A, a counselor is trained to walk with you through the questioning to help spare you or to help you kind of mitigate the disillusionment. Okay? That's one of the values of counseling. And so if in the future you ever find yourself having a traumatic experience and you're like, oh, you're aware, I just had some trauma, it would be really good for you to go find a mentor or someone who can get you connected with a counselor to help you process through the questioning to mitigate against the disillusionment, okay? Just a thing. Now, if you're someone who had trauma and you went through uh, the questioning and 